Thanks for joining us for The Whole Spectrum. I'm Katherine Parks, and I'm here with my husband, Eric, to talk about what it means, in the words of Francis Schaeffer, for the Lordship of Christ to permeate the whole spectrum of life. And for us, our view of art in particular. We love to discuss the films we see from a Christian perspective, so we invite you to join us as we cover the whole spectrum of the movie world, from classics to independent films to blockbusters. Well, here we are with another episode, and I uh, hope you've been seeing some good stuff lately. Eric has been at it again, seeing movies without his wife. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, you had the opportunity this past week to see a, a film that you really enjoyed, and actually, let's just put all our cards on the table, I've been seeing things without you as well. That's true. So. Sometimes even said movies twice in theaters without having me come along? Out of service to my children, so. Thank you, that's so nice. Yeah, uh, yeah. so we just wanted to talk about a few of the things that we've seen recently, and uh, we'll start with you. You saw? Yeah, so the movie I saw was called Land of Mine. It's a Danish and I think German co-production, but I think it was technically up for best foreign film from Denmark. Uh, this past this past year for the Oscars, and it was at a local theater. It's only in, I think last I saw, only about 30 theaters nationwide right now. I wish it would get a bigger release. I thought it was absolutely phenomenal. Um, if And if I had seen it in time when I did my top 15 list, I think it probably would have easily made top three, maybe top two, maybe number one. Wow. I don't know. It was really impressive to me. Uh, but the, the basic rundown on it is that it's the end of World War II, it's 1945. Apparently the Germans had laid 2.2 million landmines along the Danish coast. I'm assuming they thought the Allied invasion was going to happen there and that's why it was so heavy. But the war is now over and the Danes have captured some Germans. They've captured, I don't know if it's uh, 11 or 12 of these actually teenage soldiers. They're all pretty young. Uh, they, they look to be between 15 and 19 years old, probably. Uh, but it's this one sergeant, who, when, one Danish sergeant, who's in charge of this little troop of, of soldiers, and the idea is they have to dig up and defuse every single one of these mines, um, kind of as punishment. <laughs> I mean, they planted them, so their job is to clean them up. And so the Danish sergeant hates these kids because they're Nazis, they're evil. Um, and so he just treats them really poorly. They're out there every single day digging for these mines. But after a while, the really neat thing is proximity equals empathy. So once he's with these boys, um, he kind of starts to care for them. And I thought that was kind of the really beautiful part of, of the movie. And it's in that way, it's a kind of really an anti-war movie. Um, but you also see bad things happen when you're dealing with landmines, like bad things happen, limbs get blown off. Um, people die and so again anti-war um, but the just the way these relationships were portrayed and this this character arc especially of the sergeant I thought was really beautiful so if you get a chance hopefully it'll be coming to DVD and streaming in the next couple of months check out Land of Mine it's a foreign film so subtitles uh, not super long maybe hour 35 hour and 40 minutes um, if you're into history I think you'll dig it um, but yeah, one of my, um, goodness, favorite movies uh, of 2016. 
So it didn't win best pick or best foreign. It did not. Was that the salesman? Oh, that's uh, right. An Iranian movie. So how did did you know about it before the Oscar nomination? I did. I didn't know a whole lot about it. I maybe had seen a trailer and read just a little bit about it, and I thought the premise was great. Um, kind of punishment for these guys. You have to clean up your mess, clean up these landmines. But I didn't know much of it beyond that. Yeah. But highly recommended for me anyway. Nice. Sounds like one I'd like to see. Yeah. So that's what I saw without you in theaters. What did you see without me in theaters twice recently? <laughs> so much passive aggression. Here tonight. <laughs> I don't know what this is. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I did see Beauty and the Beast. <gasps> Oh, it's a tale as old as time, isn't it? It surely is. Um, yeah, so we, I had bought tickets for our daughter to see this with me uh, months ago. And uh, so we ended up going. And this was before all of the controversy of everything. <laughs> okay, wait, could you quickly explain the controversy? What, what, do, what did all the headlines mean when it says... This is Disney's exclusively gay moment, right? Uh, and it got kind of a lot of press for a while. Yeah, what the director, uh, Condon, Bill Condon, mentioned in some interview that this would be Disney's first movie with an exclusively gay moment, and uh, that just kind of got blown all over the place, and uh, people were boycotting, and theaters were saying, "I won't." We won't even be showing this film, and uh, you know, millions of think pieces are being written and shared around the internet. And um, it turns out to be mostly much ado about nothing. It's uh, just a very minor thing that happens in the film, and and I understand anyone's decision, you know, one way or another. I mean, I think people can choose to see or not see movies for a host of reasons. And that's, you know, it's definitely far better to be thinking through and really considering what you see rather than not caring at all or being flippant. Uh, mm -hmm. So I don't know if we hadn't already bought the tickets. Yeah, I don't know, but we had. And so Sophie and I went to see it and uh, really enjoyed it. Had some really good conversations about lots of things coming out of the theater. Beauty and the Beast was my favorite Disney animated film as a child and, and that one back in when uh, we forgot to look it up 90 or 91 I think it was made but wasn't that one up for best picture an animated film up for best picture yeah that year? the first time that had ever happened and I guess the only time before they expanded the field to allow at least 10 films so uh, rather than being nominated just for best animated <clears throat> film it was nominated for actually best picture it's just such a beautiful story and uh and so there are ways that i think the longer runtime that they had in this version it's over two hours so they're able to really draw out the story and fill in some gaps and expand things uh in some really neat ways i mean i i don't think it's a perfect film um and there's some casting decisions that were a little weird to me uh ewan mcgregor as lumiere kind of actually really annoyed me but um <laughs> But the story is overall much the same, and the music is great, and it's just visually uh, really a beautiful film. Uh, but I appreciated some of the things that they did with the characters. I mean, there have been complaints in the past about it being kind of a, a story of Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, which I, I guess theory, yeah. you could take that, uh, especially from the animated film. But there's a, a key line that they added uh, at the or towards the end of the film, and Bell makes it very clear that you can't really be happy in the way that the Beast wants her to unless you are free. You know, there's some really probably culturally accurate things. You have uh, shots of a bunch of schoolboys going into school while these little girls are doing laundry and um, there's no bookshop which was interesting the the bookseller is a key part of the opening scene of the animated version mm -hmm. but uh, there wouldn't really have been a, a bookshop in a small little village in the 1700s in the same way and so Belle actually goes to the local church to the priest to get her books from his small collection and I thought they made a really interesting choice in um, in this priest character. You see him in several scenes throughout the film, and he's always just this quiet, dissenting voice. He connects with Belle in a really uh, quiet but um, unique way. She she really can only go to him to be understood in the village out of everyone. Because she sticks out a little bit, as I recall, in the animated one is kind of weird or... Yeah. Because she's a girl who reads. Gets ideas. Gets ideas. <laughs> yeah. And really, the whole opening musical number is about how odd she is and how weird. And it's basically the whole village making fun of her for reading. Uh, and before you know it, she starts getting ideas in her head, thinking for herself. <laughs> a lot of problems there. So, um, yeah, so the priest connects with her, and then you see him throughout uh, just kind of being this quiet presence, um, not willing to go along with the crowd, and seeming very different from these people who have sort of a mob mentality at the end, uh, which is just kind of an interesting choice, I think, for Disney. Especially for our time right now, I yeah. would say, too, in, in the U.S. And I think it's overlooked in a lot of the stuff that I read about the movie. I mean, this this is a small role of this priest, but I do think it was an interesting choice to have in a Disney film and, and something that I really appreciated. So, recommendation, yay, nay for people? There's part of me that wants to say with all of these, okay, don't you have any new ideas? Do we really have to keep remaking all of these old classics? And yet, because I grew up on these films... And now I get to to see them in a different way with my own kids. And I guess I'm just a sucker for everything I hate because <laughs> <laughs> I've loved, I mean, The Jungle Book was great. I thought the mm -hmm. live action Cinderella was really lovely. We really liked Pete's Dragon. Oh, yeah. Way better than the original. The original is just <laughs> creepy and weird. Uh, <laughs> so there are some neat things, I think, coming out of these remakes. Do I wish Disney had more good original ideas yes but i think that's the case with hollywood in general right now there's not a lot of fresh stuff coming out when you have movies like this or you know comic book superhero movies yeah. making billions of dollars then why would you come up with a new idea yeah okay thanks for that um and then the only other film we wanted to talk about today is one we saw this week together called jackie Starring Natalie Portman, she was up for Oscar, an Oscar this past year for Best Actress. Was it up for any more? It was actually nominated for three Oscars, one for her, for Best Actress, one for Costume Design, and then one for Music, Original Score. Interesting. 
because I didn't love the music. Yeah, I thought it was weird, <laughs> but yeah, uh, to each their own. So Natalie Portman is Jackie is Jackie Kennedy, and it's kind of bouncing back and forth between her being interviewed um, sometime after her husband's assassination. Um, but it, it takes you back and forth in this timeline where she's also trying to decide, okay, what's the funeral procession going to look like? It's it's showing some of the aftermath right after the assassination. Uh, it's her dealing with her children, how she's going to talk to them about it. So it gets pretty pretty heavy with some of the, the grief aspects of it. And I don't know much, I didn't know much about um, the Kennedys. You know, this was 1963, I think November of 1963, that the assassination happened. And so we, you know, we learned a little bit in history about it, but there was so much I didn't know. Uh, I think the movie was a little slow for me, and it's done in, the director definitely has his own style, the way he does things, whether it's com uh, completely centering a person within the frame as they almost look right at the camera sometimes. So it's a really interesting style. I don't know that I love it and a little bit a little bit distracting for me, but as the movie progressed, I thought it got better and better. Um, do you have any thoughts initially on the movie as we watched it? Yeah, I would agree with your <clears throat> your opinion. I didn't know if I wanted to even enjoy it. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, yeah. but starting out, it's one of those where I'm like, is this just weird for the sake of being weird? It's definitely different. And uh, part of me actually wanted to watch a documentary. Mm, yeah, yeah. But then as you get more into it and you start to see what they're actually showing is the way that, that Jackie has, um, in this interview, kind of rewritten history a little bit. Or she is weaving this narrative of what she wants people to remember about her husband and about herself. Yeah. And then as we're viewing this and realizing, oh, this is actually what I have heard about him. Is this not true? Or, you know, why did she make this decision? And realizing that in many ways she was successful in what she was attempting to do. Um, well, the whole idea of Camelot, uh, that's how we kind of grew up hearing about the Kennedys, just this beautiful, wonderful family um, who something really tragic happened to. But it seems like the whole idea of this fairy tale family, Camelot, came from just a, a record or a, a musical that they enjoyed, maybe even just a song called Camelot. Um, yeah, from the musical. Okay. And so that, yeah, so that was kind of, like you said, she's almost weaving her own narrative of how she wants their legacy to go down. Um, in the interview, she's pretty painfully honest sometimes about, you know, she's kind of weeping and telling the interviewer that I was holding my husband's skull in my hand and trying to keep his head together, just awful graphic details. And then he's like, you're not gonna let me print any of that, are you? She's like, of course not. And he, uh, he says something too later in the interview about her smoking and she's smoking right there in the interview. Uh, and she's like, I don't smoke. So it's just kind of this funny idea that she's really honest in some ways with this interviewer and with certain people and friends, but the public persona, she wants to, to keep this legacy intact and keep this, this fairy tale idea going. It's uh, when you're seeing more of her personal uh, side of things, you're seeing her interact with a priest, which I thought was really neat that they included some of that. And at first, I didn't know where it was going, and she's just complaining about um, uh, about some things, but then... 
he starts asking her some really good questions as well and giving her some really good feedback. She's wondering, uh, I don't know if she questions the existence of God. I can't remember if that's the case, but she does question whether or not he's, he's cruel because he seems very cruel to her at the time. But he comes back with some great response. Yeah, well, he talks about the, uh, the, the blind man that Jesus encounters when his disciples say, who sinned, this man or his parents, that yeah. he was born blind. And then, yeah, the priest comes back and suggests that God has chosen Jackie in this time of tragedy so that the works of God can be revealed in you. And I think that's a great way to look at it. It's At the time, maybe that's something just awful for her to hear, like, why was I chosen? Why do I have to bear this? And Because she, um, she'd also lost a couple of children early on. I think one was stillborn and maybe one through miscarriage. Yes, she did. And then she actually had one die after about 36 or 37 hours. Yeah. And that was just a few months before the assassination. So she was certainly acquainted with sadness, grief, tragedy. And so she doesn't want to be, I, I hate to say pawn that God uses, um, but I think that's exactly what God can do in all of our circumstances if He, if he so chooses. We, we all are going to suffer at some point. Um, but it's, I think, just like this priest said, um, it's so God can be revealed in you and His glory can be ma made manifest, uh, and even in that story of healing the blind man. So I thought some really good things came out of that. Um, you know, the priest was actually, just like in this Beauty and the Beast you were talking about, was, was helpful and kind along the way and offered some good counsel. Because so often um, priests or church people in film are made to be either idiots or hypocrites or perverts or whatever the case may be. So I was, I'm, I'm always encouraged to see people of faith taken seriously in film. Yeah, well, and I think that that part is really interesting because what, what he says is so good and is truth. I don't know what the director exactly intends with it, but we're almost led to believe that her view of like the works of God being made manifest in her is maybe then somehow in some way her her mission to redeem her husband's image or to create i don't it's just interesting that that's sort of left there yeah because we don't see any more of the history of jackie in the movie yeah um and that's not really what it's about so i don't know exactly the statement they were trying to make with that yeah and so I mean, you and I talked about it after we watched it, um, how a woman this young is having to deal with so much, but she also kind of puts the weight of the country on her shoulders. So how she grieves and how she puts out her husband's legacy is how the rest of the country is going to see the family and see, kind of kind of feel out, uh, feel out ways to grieve as well. Yeah. Um, so in, anyway, I thought it was pretty fascinating. I didn't just love it, but I thought it was good, a solid movie for sure. Yeah. Well, I think too, uh, it, it's incredibly relevant for our time just in the way that it looks at truth. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, this reporter wants to get to the truth, mm -hmm. but but the the version of truth that she's presenting is is not actually the truth in, in some ways. And you see how that effect of this interview and and her actions in these days has you know what 60 years later contributed well 50 sorry 
whatever the math, math is. Math. Uh, it has contributed to the way that we look at her husband and a period of history and their family. Um, but I just thought even that unpacking some of this idea of what is actually true mm-hmm. um, and and can we know it and what does it matter? Does it matter that we actually know what kind of president JFK was and what kind of man he was? Or should we just buy into this narrative of him? Because certainly he's not perfect. And I think the movie alluded to him um, maybe not being completely faithful to Jackie. Oh, I mean, he's, yeah, they they talk about that some, but he's just serial womanizer. Um, And more and more information comes out about that, you know, for years that has. Uh, And yet we cling to these pictures that we have of him and, playing with his children or his children, you know, playing under the desk or this idea that we have of him that was very carefully curated. Yeah. But is that actually true? Yeah. Um, And at the end, the journalist tells her that after the funeral, he says, you were a mother to all of us. The entire country watched the funeral from beginning to end. And decades from now, people will remember your dignity and honesty. Um, so I think that's a really good line, but is it is it him just playing up to her, saying, you know, with the honesty line? Mm-hmm. I think the dignity is there, um, but is she being completely honest? So I think it begs some pretty interesting questions. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely thought-provoking, and I don't know, it, it even challenged, like, who? how do I actually want to be remembered? Ooh, your legacy? Yeah. Do I want it to be yeah. true, or <laughs> do I want it to really reflect well on me? Well, and that you and I have had this discussion at funerals. Everybody always says, and I always use a, a ridiculous Southern accent when I do this. I don't know why. Because <laughs> you're from Alabama. I'm from Alabama. But the idea that you hear someone up there say, oh, he never complained a day in his life, honey. He was the most uh, uh, content person that ever lived. Okay, that's really nice to say, but is it just total garbage? I mean, no, I complain every single day of my life. You know this. And so I, I tend to say, okay, when I'm dead at my funeral, just be honest with people. Tell people I was a mess. I was a complainer. <laughs> I had lots of problems, but I love Jesus, and Jesus loved me. Your Maybe... funeral is going to be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just going to be a big roast. People are going to be like, yeah, he was a total loser, whiner. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like I want people to say, yes, he was humble, he was kind, he didn't complain, but I also want the truth to get out there. So if the if the truth is that I was a little bit of a loser, but also clung pretty tightly to Christ, then I'm I'm happy to <laughs> to look like a loser and be weak um, in that in that legacy moment. But also through Christ, be strong. I guess. Yeah. Well, and perhaps the challenge is for the people left behind. I would want you to be remembered as maybe more than that. So. Yeah. Well, and she was especially interested in this idea because she had studied up on history and she was asking um, some people, even the uh, the hearse driver, hey, do you remember, do you know such and such president? I can't remember if McKinley. Garfield and McKinley. Gar- yeah. And the guy was shaking his head and she's like, okay. And the point was is those were presidents who are dead now and no one remembers their names. Um, but to her, so was it was it trying to keep this great legacy because it was vanity and i think the movie points to 
that question, is it her being vain and trying to have his big funeral procession like Lincoln had? Or is it, hey, my husband really was a great man. He did some great things and he was going to do more great things, but his life was cut short. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, so I thought it was, it asked a lot of great questions. So from me on this podcast, Land of Mine, definitely two thumbs up. Really enjoyed it. Hope you guys get to go check it out. For you, Beauty and the Beast? Uh, I mean, it's a different, totally different category, but can you give one and a half thumbs? Uh, you can give one like and a half a... thumbs, like a nub. <laughs> <laughs> like... One whole thumb and one nub. Okay, yep. And for people who only have nubs, that's highly offensive, babe. Uh, and then for Jackie, I would give, I don't know, I mean... I th again, I think if you're a history buff, I think if you're interested, uh, someone who's interested in wrestling with bigger questions, um, where, but you don't necessarily just have to be entertained with <laughs> explosions and tons of movie stars and I don't, I don't know, whatever else, I think you would enjoy it. So I think it's definitely a solid movie, probably worth most people's time, but it's not going to be for everybody. You just offended a lot of people too. It's not for idiots and dummies. <laughs> wow. Uh, and yeah. so you just better hope those people don't come to your funeral. Yeah, because they're going to treat me pretty poorly. Um, so I guess that's it. So those three movies were some recent viewings. If you guys have seen anything recently, please let us know. We would love to maybe watch it and talk about it on a future podcast. But otherwise, I hope you guys check these out, and we'll do another one soon.